on my way here this morning, I was telling Tasha that, that it feels like Sundays come up so fast. Like, it seems like it's Sunday again. And, um, and then with my limited math skills, I started thinking about how many Sundays it's been since, since we started as a church. And, and then I figured, okay, so I won't tell you how my math worked. It's like probably common core. But, but uh, I, I, I was thinking about it and, and thinking like how, it, how many. And I came up with, with, this is probably like right around the 500th Sunday that we have that we've had as a church. And so when I got here, I asked the smartest math person I knew, Frank Rabinovich. And, um, and I was wrong. It, this is the 502nd Sunday, so there's nothing to celebrate really. But, but two weeks ago was huge. It was 500 Sundays. So um, we, uh, we, we will have our 10th anniversary this September, first week of, of, of September. And we'll just make that a really special day here to, to have fellowship together, maybe hear um, just some testimonies of people that have been here for these years and what the Lord's done. And, and, uh, and then we'll eat, which will be wonderful. Um, we have um, a, another occasion to eat this afternoon, or not afternoon, but well, depending on how long we go, maybe this afternoon. It'll be up on the upper deck, we'll have, I think we have, we have tacos up there. So um, we're welcoming all those from the master's plan and getting to know people and just wanting to, to welcome you in a sweet way. But um, I know that there, there's, there's so many people who are new here that are not a part of the master's plan, and we want you to be welcomed as well and just to be able to meet people and sit down and there's canopies that are up there and tables. If you haven't been on the upper deck, it's, it's really cool. Um, it's up there. There's a little amphitheater up there and there's a big pavilion area that, that uh, we have all set up for, for food. So right after church, what I'm told is right after church, if you go up there, there'll be food ready. Um, so hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. We are in the Gospel of John as we continue in chapter 8. Beginning in verse 48, but uh, if you guys would join me in prayer, let's pray. Lord God, we are just overflowing with, with thanksgiving, Lord, and praise to you for your kindness upon us. Um, we thank you for this Sunday and and. Over 500 Sundays that we have been meeting since that first one on September 4th. And we just, we praise you, Lord, for the way that you have um, just ministered to us. You have caused us to grow. You've caused us to see you in, in ways that make us just adore you more, love you more, worship you wholeheartedly, Lord. And, and, and we just look forward to many, many weeks to come, years to come, of being able to grow and minister to each other and proclaim the gospel, um, to see you work just so mightily in our lives. 
and to bring us to a place of, of, of fruitfulness and praising you. Bless our time in, in your word on this morning. Bless our time in communion on this morning. And, and I, I pray that every part of it would just um, exalt you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 48. You would read with me. Um, if you don't have Bibles, there's Bibles that are under the pews and you can grab them. But John chapter 8, beginning in verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him. But I know him, and if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of the people, and so passed by. We see in the Gospel of John, God clearly revealing to us the deity of Christ. You see it all throughout the Gospel of John that Christ is, in fact, God. Evidence after evidence after evidence, more and more and more, that Jesus is, in fact, God, God the Son. We come to a text in which these, these, he's there in the temple and there's these, these religious leaders that are there and they're saying, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Um, that's where they've come to. They're looking at Jesus. They're looking at all of his works. They're listening to his words. They're seeing their pride and in, 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 in the way that they carry themselves and how they have built themselves up within the, the nation of Israel. And, and here Jesus comes in and he speaks truth. They speak lies. He's speaking truth. He's pointing them to the Father. He is the Messiah who is to come. And they're seeing perfect holiness, perfect light. And Jesus is saying they hate the light. They want nothing to do with the light. And their conclusion after seeing all that he has done all those that he has healed, those that he has raised from the dead, those that he has just ministered to in incredible ways, their response is, we think that you have a demon. We think that you have a demon. You look at just the wickedness of man and the way that they think, and Jesus comes to them and, and says, I, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, 
and you, you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There's one who seeks and judges. Jesus didn't seek his own glory, but there was one, God the Father, who does seek the glory of Christ. We see it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, where it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father, in fact, seeks the glory of the Son, and he is the one who judges in John eight fifty one, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. That verse there is just an incredible verse for us this morning. If you keep my word, you shall never see death. Goes even beyond that to most assuredly or verily, verily, or truly, truly, you can know this for sure. That if anyone keeps my word, Christ says, he shall never see death. Um, death is one of those things that people think about. And, uh, and it could be incredibly frightening to think about death. Um, I'm sure that I have come closer to death than this one particular time. I mean, how many times may it be that somebody almost hit us or we almost died in another way, but God saved us and we were oblivious to the whole thing taking place. But there was one time where I was not oblivious to it. Um, It was in the late 90s and I was in South Sudan and we were flying out. We we had flown in against international law to help the rebels with the Sudanese People's Liberation Army. And so we're in rebel territory. The government of Sudan is around. We're going through no-fly zones into these areas and landing and bringing food and bringing doctors and proclaiming the gospel. And we're, we're flying out of this area of South Sudan several hours. And you look ahead in this tiny little plane, and there's just, there's just these huge thunderclouds. And the pilot swerves and says, we're going to go around it. And so we fly for another hour plus to get around this storm. And then he says, we can't get around it. We have to go through it. And we, we go through this, this, this storm. And you can see lightning coming from all directions. And, and you're watching the, the, all the, the pilots, you know, calculate his, 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 his whatever you call it, dashboard. And, uh, and you can see like the, the elevation and I'm sure it's not called a dashboard, but it, it, you can see us falling hundreds of feet at a time where you're flying and all of a sudden you just drop in, you know, like when you're on like free fall, like what that does to your stomach, that was happening. Like we, we would drop and it's like, whoa, you know, and you're wondering like, will we stop dropping before we hit the ground? And and, and we'd stop and we'd go and we'd gain elevation and then you'd feel us drop again like in the most radical way and the plane's going crazy and people are getting sick in the back. We have a couple doctors with us and we, we, 
we're looking at a map to see where enemy territory is. If we land here, we got to run in this direction. If we crash here, we got to go in that direction. Like we're looking and seeing, okay, right, right now we're over enemy territory. Okay, right in this area, we're in good territory. If we crash right, you know. And so we're looking at the whole thing, trying to figure out. And we, they have the sat phones and they have the compasses and they got the maps. And in my thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking like, we're going to crash and all these people that are way smarter than me are going to die and I'm going to be maimed and I got to figure out like how to get out of this place. And, and so I'm, I'm like processing it. Like, what do I, what am I going to do? How do I get out of this place? And the pilot, he had flown us all over the place for several trips in and out of South Sudan. And I never saw him smoke once. And, and he was just smoking the whole time. I mean, he's like, you know, sweat pouring down and the look on his face was just one of fear like you could tell this guy was afraid he is I mean it's scary when you look at your pilot and he looks just scared to death and and we hear on the radio that there was another plane that was behind us and that plane went down and and I don't know if that meant like they landed or they just went down it it didn't sound good what they said like no he was the plane went down you know and I'm like and we're looking at the fuel gauge. It's almost empty in the pilots. We don't have enough fuel to get back to Kenya. And I'm like, great. Like, you know, and, and so it's, and then I just start looking out the window. Like, I'm like looking out the window. And, and I had well over an hour just to think about, okay, I think this is when I'm going to die. Like, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure this is when I'm going to die. And the more the thing dropped, I mean, the more sure I became that this somewhere here is where I'll die. And there was just this incredible peace that came over, like, as far as, like, I'm, like, I just started rehearsing the gospel in my mind, thinking about where it is that I will be going, um, thinking about, like, my last breath here on earth will be followed by one that is just filled with so much joy in heaven. And to be able to see him in his glory. And, and I'm just picturing all that God has told us in his word as far as, as, far as what heaven is going to be like. Um, and honestly, there's just this incredible peace like as far as like I'm looking forward to going. I didn't know that it was going to be now. But I'm looking forward to being there. And then my prayer shifted to like, can you make it so it doesn't hurt? I mean, like that, that was where I went. I just shifted to like, I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid of dying, like the process of it. I don't want it to hurt so badly. Just make it fast, you know. But it's something that we all think about at times. And there's times where our health will bring us to a place where maybe it becomes more of a reality to us, but thinking about death. And Jesus says here, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Never see death. You remember in just a few verses before, if you look at John eight forty four, he's talking about these people, these religious leaders, and their father's the devil. He says, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, 
because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is a liar and the father of it, and he does not speak the truth. But you remember in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve are there, and they're being tempted by the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die. Remember that? He said you were going to die. You will not surely die. You're not going to die. You can eat of the fruit. You're not going to die. I go from there to John eight forty four to where he's a liar. I mean, he, he is a liar and the father of all lies. He's saying, you're not going to die. But we know that when Adam and Eve ate of forbidden fruit, they died spiritually. Um, they died. Spiritually came to a point of they were dead spiritually. John eight twenty four says, Therefore I... I said to you, Jesus said, you will die in your sins. And if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We see that they died spiritually, but there is a second death that is coming. For those who die spiritually without Christ, a second death that comes in which you are dead for all eternity as far as in your sins. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, to chapter 20, if you would. In Revelation chapter 20, and verse 10, it tells us the devil, Revelation 20, verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone and where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And when I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who are in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who are in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Anybody not found written in the book of life was cast for all eternity into the lake of fire. Scripture tells us here, this is the second death. This is the one to be afraid of. I mean, you, you, you hear people say, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid to die. I'm, I'm not afraid. Well, you, you may not be afraid of the process of dying. I am. I I was. I still am. Don't look forward to the process of it. But you may look and say, I'm not afraid to die. John's writing these things as he sees these things taking place. And you hear him over and over say, you know, 
the angels and others saying, write these things. These are true. These things are right. These things are faithful. These things are true. Write these things. Write what you're seeing. And here we find this, this great white throne of judgment. A throne that's there. God on it. And you picture these people. Here it says they, all of them came. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. All of them. Some people that were just small people. No big reputation. Nothing that, that people would look at and think much of. But they're there. They're standing before him. There's those that are great. There's those like huge leaders like Hitler and others who will be there more than likely. And you think of them, they're all there standing before them, multitudes of people, and they're being judged. Knowing that their sin, the smallest of it, is that which causes a great separation between them and God. There they are, and they're before the throne. And there's these books that are open. One is there is as far as the deeds that they have done, and you see that there's this one that is the book of life. And there's names that are written in it. And it tells us that the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who are in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who are in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Radical. I mean, we read that, and the, the weight of that is just... Yeah, I mean, can you imagine just being before him and having all of your deeds exposed, all of your sin exposed? Having no ability to give an answer for anything that you had ever done? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I, the kind of things I picture people thinking is, I'll work my way out of it. I mean, I'm, I can talk my way out of anything. But just knowing that there is no talking your way out of this at all. They, they won't have an excuse, Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that their mouths will be shut. They'll all be guilty before God. They're not going to have anything where it's, I mean, the thought of like, well, there's, just, there's so many hypocrites in the church. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to be a Christian. There's, just, there's so many hypocrites in the church. I don't think that's going to hold any Wait whatsoever when you're before that throne. You're going to sit there thinking, like, oh, I got nothing on that. I mean, like, there's more hypocrites outside the church than there are in the church. But that, he didn't tell me to follow the people that are there. He told me to follow Christ. For those that would say, like, well, I never had a chance. Yes, you did. You heard the gospel. You heard the gospel. Well, what about those that never heard the gospel? Well, Romans chapter 1 says that he's, he's made his invisible attributes clearly seen so that they are without excuse. They rejected him at the first point of, as far as a sovereign God who is holy. They wanted nothing to do with him. They created images for themselves made after their own image. 
rather than follow the living God. Nobody before the throne will have an excuse. And this picture that is there of death and Hades, all of those people are cast into the lake of fire where the devil, the beast, and the false prophet are. Notice in verse 10 it says, and they are tormented day and night forever and ever. This is radical. The fierceness of the wrath of God coming upon these people forever and ever, tormented. And here's this throne, and it just it makes it very clear. They're thrown. They're thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. That's the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You can imagine just being there and books are open. You're guilty. You've got nothing to stand on. And there's these books that are open and names are being called out. One after another. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, living God, of the living God. I mean, if, if your image of God is he's Santa Claus, he's just looking to see who's naughty or nice. You, you, you have such a broken view of who God is. He is not like that. I mean, if you look and say, well, I'm, I'm bad, but not that bad. I mean, there's a lot of people that are a lot worse than me. And there's so many religions. How would I know which one to follow? I mean, I, I think all roads lead to heaven. The text before us would make it very clear that all roads do not lead to heaven. There is a great white throne of judgment, and only those whose names are found written in the book of life are kept from being cast into the lake of fire. It's a radical picture here. If you're thinking, I can get in, I'll figure it out. No, it's only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Incredible scene before us, a picture before us. But to think of being there and to have them call off your name, Chris Dunn, Brittany Beagle, you know, just sitting there, just picturing it. You hear God call. Your name, your name is called. Why? Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. For those whose names are found and they're written in the Lamb's book of life, they will never see death. They'll never see death. They'll never experience it. For all of those whose, whose names are found written in the Lamb's book of life, never, ever will you ever see death. Think of how awesome that is. I mean, you're standing there before the throne. You're seeing people cast into the lake of fire for all eternity, tormented day and night, for all, forever and ever, the text tells us. And you're sitting there going, but my name was in the book. I saw my name in the book. It's right there. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I will never see death. I'll never experience the wrath of God. 
I'll never ever experience any of that. Why? Because Christ took that upon himself when he hung on the cross. For those of you guys that think, I, just, I don't think my God does not send people to hell. You hear people say that, right? My God, my, my God doesn't send people to hell. Unfortunately, you don't get to decide what God is like. You, you can't create a God in your own image like it tells us in Romans chapter 1. You could try to. You could try to make him a four-footed animal or a creeping thing. You could try to make him and carve him and make him into who you want him to be. But God tells us, you don't get to decide who I am. We don't get to decide that. He tells us who he is, and he tells us in the page of Scripture. And you might say, well, how do you even know that this is true? How do you know that what you're saying, what you believe, is true? And we could spend a whole nother time talking about that. But let me just make it. There's thousands of prophecies that are given in Scripture of God saying these things will happen. I tell you beforehand so that you know that it's true. I mean, just incredible details of when Jesus would be born. He'd be born from a virgin, the city that he'd be born in. I mean, you go through just the life of Jesus alone, and, and it tells us the miracles which he would do. It tells us how he would die, crucifixion, his, his hands pierced, his feet pierced, before crucifixion had ever been invented, hundreds of years before it had ever been invented. It goes through and gives details of, of him being crucified and, 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 and being crucified next to these thieves that are there. It gives details of him being buried in a rich man's tomb. It gives details, prophecy that are given that he will rise again from the dead. Incredible details that are given. Details are given, given that the, the, the temple would be destroyed. AD 70, the temple is destroyed. You could go on and on. There are thousands of things that there's no way that anybody could ever say, well, it's just they made it up and got lucky. I mean, it's just incredible detail that are, that's given. Not only that, but you go from beginning to end of Scripture, and it's God's plan of salvation for mankind. I mean, it's just amazing to go through the Old Testament and to see these pictures of Christ over and over and over again. The shedding of blood for the remission of sins, the whole sacrificial system, the lamb, the whole process in the temple, everything pointing to Christ who is to come. It's incredible when you go through and you look at it. But... I can tell you with great confidence that Scripture is the Word of God. Everything that it ever said would happen, happened. With the exception of a few things that are yet to come, this being one of them. A great white throne of judgment. To think that God will just brush it under the rug, sweep it under the rug. Let's just pretend like it didn't happen. Goes totally against what it says in Scripture. I mean, if there was a way to pretend like it didn't happen, then without a doubt, the Son of God would not have come and become a man and died upon that cross and took our sin upon himself on that cross. He never would have done that if there was another way. And so you look at what God tells us here, and it is a fearful thing to experience the second death. A fearful thing. And yet... What we read in our text here is most assuredly, truly, truly, not hopefully, but verily, verily, truly, truly, most assuredly, you can know that if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. 
awesome. I mean, to, to hear that, you could, you could have 100% confidence that if you keep the word of God, you will never, ever experience the second death. You'll never be those where he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You'll never be there standing before the throne where names are being called out and yours is not. Keeping his word. When we think about what it is to keep his word, just take a verse that's familiar to all of you. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You just take that alone. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those who have kept his word and say, I believe in him. I believe that Jesus became a man, was born here on earth, lived a perfectly righteous life, fulfilled all righteousness, went to the cross, died on the cross so that my sins could be placed upon him, and he takes my sin upon himself and he gives me his righteousness, and he rose again on the third day, and he's at the right hand of the Father, and I believe in him. My only hope in this life to be saved, to be saved from the second death, is Christ and him crucified. It is my only hope in this life is Christ. And God would say, if you've kept my word, you'll never see death. If you believe in me, you will never see death. John three thirty six. he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Radical verse, isn't it? I mean, listen to that one more time. He who believes in the Son, Christ, has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. The wrath of God abides on him. The second death, he will see death. Remember Jesus speaking to Martha, Lazarus' sister, says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he says, do you believe this? I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, though you may have the physical act of dying, you will not die spiritually. God says, you will live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You will never experience the second death. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, it tells us, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. You will be made alive. In Adam, everybody died. But in Christ, all are made alive. Whosoever believes in him will be made alive. You think of other passages in Scripture like Ephesians 2 verse 1 where it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. 
He made you alive. He took your soul that was dead spiritually and he made you alive so that you would never experience the second death. You would never experience the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. You'll never experience the lake of fire. You'll never experience being tormented day and night forever and ever because you believe in Christ. You have been made alive. He who believes, John 3.18, is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Condemned. But for the Christian, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who, walk, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. There's no condemnation for us. John 5.24, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from what? From death to life. We see this over and over again, the idea of death versus life. Judgment and condemnation versus being made alive and free and no condemnation and not being under the wrath of God, not experiencing the second death. But it comes to have you kept his word. You hear in John 14 where Jesus says, if anyone loves me, verse 23, he will keep my word and the Father will love him and he will come to him and, or, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you keep his word? If you do, you will come, or God will come to you, and the Godhead will make their home with you. Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, verse 6, I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. That phrase is used over and over and over again in the Scripture. Have you kept his word? 1 John 2, 5. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Have you kept his word? And when he's talking about keeping his word, it's not, do you obey all of his commandments perfectly? You're not going to. I'm not going to. None of us are going to. When it talks about have you kept his word, the question is, have you obeyed the gospel, believed the gospel? Is your hope and your faith in Christ who died on the cross and rose again from the third day? Have you kept his word? Have you seen the depths of your sin as God has just revealed that to you in the pages of Scripture that there's none righteous, no, not one. And there's none who does good. And have you heard that, believed that, and believed that you needed a Savior and believed that Christ is your Savior. If you do, if you have done that, to think, I'll never ever see death. I might die, but I will never ever see the second death that is to come, which will be me before the great white throne of God being cast into the lake of fire forever and ever, tormented day and night.
This is glorious to think about. I mean, if you think of like just the encouragement that comes from God's word there in this particular passage where he says, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, if anyone in this sanctuary right now keeps his word and believes in the gospel, you will never, ever, ever see death. Love that. It's amazing to think about. Though we may die, we will not see death. It will not be for all eternity. We will not be before the great right throne of judgment to be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. You'll never experience the wrath of God. You'll never experience condemnation. You'll never be punished for your sins. You will find yourself in him, with him, clothed in his robes of righteousness, and you'll never see death. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.8, but we are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. To, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Here you hear him saying, we're confident. Confident of it. I mean, to be in a place of, I'm in a plane, and I think this thing's going to go down. And to think, if it goes down, and I'm fortunate enough to die and not be maimed and try to find my way to safety, to be absent from this earthly body will be to be present with the Lord. And Paul's just saying, I'm confident of this. I'm rather, I'm well pleased. I'm so excited that when I die, I leave this body and I'm present with the Lord. Why? Because of the gospel. My hope is in Christ. You hear Paul say in Philippians 1, Verse 20, that he says, with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Incredible. He's looking at his life and some of you may look and your health is deteriorating or your age is getting higher and higher or you're at a place where you just, you, you know that you're in your final chapters. And to, to know, I'm not going to see death. I mean, I may die, but God tells me, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. I, I just got to a better place. I died and all of the pain that I was experiencing was removed from me completely. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more of any of that. There's no more sin. All of it's been removed. You're in a place where you've entered into the joy of the Lord. You've gone from a place, I mean, I just, the way I picture that in mind is my last breath here on earth will be followed by one that is the most joyful breath I've ever had. I I think of my best day here on earth. And I made this mistake of telling Jonathan, Man, like one of my, it was like the best day when you were born. It was so exciting when you were born. So now like he goes to Natalie and like, daddy said his best day was when I was born. <laughs> and I had to recant like, no, 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 no. Like, he's like, you said it. You said the best day was when I was born. But you take your best day here on earth and to think you breathe your last 
And it is the most joyful breath that you could have ever, ever imagined. I mean, it, it, it's like an ocean compared to a drop in your best day here on earth. And to think that that's exactly what follows. To live is Christ and to die is gain. It just got better. We hear Paul in that same passage. But if I live on in the flesh, it'll mean fruit from my labor. But what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I don't know. What would I pick if I had to choose between staying here or going to heaven? But to go to heaven, man, that is way better. It's way better. Why? Because the second death has no power over you whatsoever. You will never die like that. You have been made alive spiritually because of what Christ has done in regenerating you, making you a new creation in him, to where when you die, it is all gain. It is all gain. It is all good. Psalm 16, verse 11 In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. John 14, verse 3. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You'll be with me, God says. In Revelation 7, and verse 14, it's talking about those that have come out of the great tribulation. He says, and they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They're there before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. And they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to fountains of, to, to, to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's radical to think about. To die is gain. It is all gain for us. We're with him. We have robes that have been made white through the blood of Christ. No more hunger. No more thirsting. The sun will never even strike you anymore. The lamb is in the midst and there's the throne that's there. And he will shepherd them and he will lead them to living fountains of waters. And he'll wipe away every tear from your eyes. Be made like him. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Or Psalm 17, verse 15, As for me, I will see your face, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. To be made like Christ. To see him. John writes about it in Revelation 22 where he's describing this scene before him. He showed me a pure river of, of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. Gone. The throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, no need, they need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives, light, gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. You Know that this is going to happen. 
to be there and to be with him for all eternity glorious. May we find great confidence on this morning that you will never see death as a believer in Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for our text before us. And as we prepare to partake in communion, Lord, may we just find great joy in the salvation in which you have blessed us with. Lord, to think the second death has no power over us because you died in our place. We will never, ever see death. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.